I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the 1865 match report where it finished Forest 2, Brentford 2. On bonfire nights, there were plenty of fireworks going off at the city ground. VAR, contentious moments, dramatic goals, but overall a share of the spoils for both sides. And we'll be looking at VAR, we'll be looking at penalty decisions and what could have been, perhaps what should have been from Forrest's point of view over the course of this match report. And we have the opposition view to come later on. Billy from the Be Sotted podcast will be joining us to give his views on today's events. So I'm joined by Baz for this match report. Both of us were at the game this afternoon and I think are still recovering from that 90 <laughs> minutes of drama that we saw. Before we get into the the, the real meat of it, Baz, first of all, Forest team news for the game. So three changes made from the defeat at Arsenal, which saw Emmanuel Dennis come in for Taiwo Awonyi up front. Nico Williams in for Ren and Loddy at left back, which meant we had Aurier right back and Williams at left back. And Brennan Johnson back in for Jesse Lingard, who was on the bench. So Forrest with that back four of Williams, Cook, McKenna, and Aurier, Henderson in goal, of course. Midfield with Czech Kiate, Remo Freuler, Ryan Yates. And then that front three with Morgan Gibbs-White, Emmanuel Dennis and Brennan Johnson. So what, what was your take on that team news when you saw those changes made and that that side announced? Um, I think Ren and Loddy going out, That's that was kind of to be expected. Um as as has been said on our previous reports, um, he doesn't seem to have adapted to to English English football. Um, obviously, he's in a different difficult place at the moment, but um, I think he's obviously got a lot of talent, and he's obviously must be a good defender because he played for Atletico Madrid. But 
it's not working for him at the moment and we can't afford to carry him through that. Um, a one-year going out for Emmanuel Dennis, I was a little bit surprised that. I think a one-year's been doing all right and I quite like him as a player. Uh, Lingard for um, going out for Johnson, I'm not surprised at that. Uh, obviously, Lingard's a bit in the firing line, so yeah, taking him out of, of the layer of publicity is probably the, for the best at the minute. Um, and yeah, as a 4-3-3 once more, um, it was kind of to be expected, really. And the big team news for Brentford was that Ivan Tony was suspended for this game, which I think most Forest fans were looking at that as a bit of a bonus before kickoff. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, they still managed to score goals and penalties, uh, as we'll come on to, without Tony in the team. But in that first half, Forest came out and, and took the game to Brentford and played probably as well as I've seen them play so far in the Premier League this season with a performance they were on top, moving the ball around nicely and really trying to pin Brentford back. And it was it was a bright start, I thought, from, from the Reds to begin with. Uh, definitely. I think one of the things, I, there are two things that I really liked. First of all, um, Morgan Gibbs-White, who... He's obviously incredibly talented, but a lot of the stuff he's tried so far this season, he's done stuff where he's picked out this pass that no one else can see, and then it's not quite come off. Either he's overhit it by half a yard or whoever he was passing to, normally Brennan Johnson, uh, wasn't expecting it, and so their first touch or whatever was bad. Whereas within, what, five minutes, there were two of those passes, finding Brennan Johnson and forcing saves out of the keeper. Um which was really nice to see. It's like that little bit of cohesion and understanding coming together. And then the other thing that's really notable from my point of view, as someone who pays attention to this kind of stuff, is um, we were probably playing 20 yards higher up the pitch. And I said, um, although on paper it was a 4-3-3, often when you play a 4-3-3, when you're not in possession, it turns into a 4-5-1. Whereas today, actually, we turned into a 4-2-4. Um, so what was happening was Ryan Yates was pushing right forwards. So we'd have a line of four pressing them in their own half. And probably, I can't remember the last time we've done that. In the, uh, I don't think we've done that in this season at all, is press the opponents in their own half. And it was really, really effective. They didn't get any time on the ball. They really couldn't control the ball. And then every time we got it, we... Um, we transitioned really quickly and turned it into an attack, which um, is not like we've been playing for the rest of the season. It was much more like the, the forest of last season. And one of those attacks provided an early chance for Brennan Johnson. He linked up well with Gibbs White. The two of them moved the ball nicely between them. Johnson was in free in the box from, from the pass, but the shot was saved by David Rea and the score stayed nil-nil, but on 20 minutes, Forrest did make the breakthrough and it was Gibbs-White with the goal. And I, I was pleased to see him on the score sheet because even when we've not been playing well, he's looked like the player who's going to make something happen. And here, Baz, he, he more than made something happen. This goal was all yeah. his. Well, um, I, I just, just I, I'm, I'm going to mention this later on as well, but uh, it was Emmanuel Dennis that played the ball through to him um, down the left. So, yeah, Dennis was playing on the left, Johnson on the right with Gibbs White down the middle. And then Gibbs White basically juggled the ball and skipped past, what, three or four of their players before yeah. putting the shot in. It was it was beautiful to watch. 
a real moment of skill and quality from him. And yeah. yeah, it was. It was just a nice, really nice on the eye kind of goal. And no more than Forrest deserved actually in that first half. And Forrest seemed to, after the goal, they just continued playing in that fashion that they had been. They, they were on top. Brentford didn't look particularly great. I thought they were struggling without Tony. They had no presence up front. It was Keen Lewis Potter, Johan Wizer, mm. and Brian and Bremo, their front three, but neither of them are what you would say a presence, a target man, no. you know, a centre forward out and out. And I think that did allow Forrest to get that foothold in the game. Well, we, we didn't really let them have the ball that much because, as I say, yeah. we were pressing them so high up that they, they couldn't control anything. Um, it was it was really nice, but we probably what we must have had six or seven chances in the like ten minutes after the after the goal, which again is quite unheard of for us in this season. <laughs> and we were we were sat there as well. I don't know if you were the same looking at this, thinking Forest have got them here. Mm. We get that next goal, it could be three 0 and it could be game over. And, and Forest, but on then the way to also victory. by about thirty five minutes, I was going, we're going to regret not having put those chances <laughs> away. <laughs> Yeah, I, I had a, I had that famous almost like commentator's curse because I was talking to the people who were sit with and said, well, yeah, we're doing all right here, but what happens if we concede next? Yeah, How do we respond? <laughs> and that's the concern. And lo and behold, Forrest did concede next. Well, I, I, Not without contention. Things, <laughs> uh, two, two other things I'd like to mention before that. So first of all, before the goal, before our goal, um, there was a point where Emmanuel Dennis um, broke in from the left and um, from where I was, it looked like he was tripped. He had his legs taken out from under him. Um, but uh, the referee just basically waved play on. Yeah. And then there was another bit um, in that spell when we were on top of things where it looked like Ryan Yates was shoved in the back inside, well, on the edge of the box, um, which, again, the referee waved play on. It went to VAR. VAR said it was a foul outside the box, but um, as they said on Radio Nottingham, if it was a foul, where was our free kick? Exactly, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that was that was a, a baffling decision because on the on the screen it said infringement outside the box. Okay, fine, yeah. but if it's a foul, then surely Forrest get a free kick. But nothing yeah. was given. Interestingly, in his post match interview with Radio Nottingham, Ryan Yates said that. The referee said to him, "Actually, it was a foul, but it was outside the box." So, so the referee's so, yeah. admitted there he's he's made the wrong decision. But he's he's had to stop the game anyway to go to VAR. So, yeah. <laughs> when you do the restart, what do you do with it? <laughs> exactly. Uh, well, yeah, I don't I don't understand. And uh, talking of not understanding, <laughs> VAR came to the fore again uh, a few minutes later. With the award of Brentford's penalty. Now, mm. talk us through this one, Baz, because I've seen the replays I don't know how many times. I've tried to see it from all perspectives, but I just do not see how this is a penalty. No, so, I mean, I think they said on the radio it was Freuler did a weird pass across. It was, it was a, a, a wayward pass, basically, that shouldn't have been made. Um, probably is Serie A background saying pass it sideways or whatever. Uh, Wissa comes in and from what I could see, he stumbled in front of Henderson. Henderson put his arms out and then from where I am, I'm sort of near the halfway line. Henderson put his arms out and Wissa fell to the ground and then the next thing I'm looking at them, 
because obviously one of the best things about judging if it's a penalty or not is you look at the players' reactions. Mm. And it looks to me like Wister had his head, head in his hands like, oh my God, I've just missed a glorious chance. Yeah. So there's me thinking it could be a penalty, but it doesn't look like anyone's going to be claiming it. Mm. And yeah, like you, I've I've not really I've not watched any of the, the highlights or any goals or anything apart from this one incident, which I've watched again and again and again. And yeah, it looks to me like Wister is stumbling and falling over. Henderson claws at the ball, and in clawing at the ball, his hand goes near. Whether it touches or not, I don't know, but his hand goes near. But Wister is already falling over. He's lost control of the ball. Yeah. It's not a shooting chance. So it shouldn't be a penalty. And I think Andre Mariner didn't think it was a penalty. Um, he didn't like immediately point to the spot. He seemed to stop and then he seemed to walk away and then got called by VAR to, to yeah. check it. So I think he didn't think it was a penalty either. Which begs the question why, if you've seen that two minutes earlier in real time and you've not given it, what would make you change your mind in that mm. in the two minutes after and then the watching thing the screen? I can think of is if there was contact between Henderson and Wissa, then maybe you say, well, it must be a penalty because there's contact. But it wasn't a scoring opportunity. Wissa had already blown the chance. Yeah, and I wouldn't, and it wasn't contact that would stop Wissa getting to the ball because, as you say, no. he was already Henderson falling. Had it. Yeah. And, yeah, he was off balance and falling over. So. And it was one of those, wasn't it? It went to VAR. There was not a lot happening from out in the ground for two minutes. Or and the so. other thing, yeah, so the you other knew thing what was noticed, coming. Yeah, the other thing that um, I think is quite important was Henderson. He was quite calm. He was like, "Okay, it's gone to VAR. It'll be, it'll be fine." Yeah. And then, as it, the time went on, he started walking towards the monitor, and the players started holding him back. They could see him getting more and more angry. And then, when the decision went he exploded with rage because yeah. he was obviously convinced he was in the right and then to have it like called against him. And that's why he got booked for it because he, he was so sure that he was going to get away with it. Well, not get away with it. He didn't have anything to get away with. <laughs> yeah. And it just, it, again, it begs the question, what, what is this serving? It's, it's taking the game and it's taken a moment in the game and it's putting it under the microscope slowing it down to accentuate any little things that can happen. I mean, a touch on somebody's shin will look worse in slow motion than in real time. But in real time, you can see when there's been a, a contact that would foul a player or send a player off balance or affect the player's ability to make a shot in that situation or reach the ball. And it, I'm looking at it and thinking, well, if you're going to slow it down, you're going to make decisions look worse than what they are and moments worse than what they are. And this is what this one felt like. The, the other thing, I mean, I, th well, I guess we're going to come back to this later on. So maybe, <laughs> but it's slowing the game down, right? Every time anything happens, you hold your breath to see if you're allowed to cheer or, or, yeah. boo or whatever, because you don't know if it's actually what's happened. Um, there was a thing I, heard, I read something earlier in the season that there's like an FA directive to, keep the ball in play for longer because the ball is less in play this season than it's ever been before. And that's because of VAR, because mm. it's stopping the game. But it's not reducing the controversy. It's there to get the decisions right and it's increasing the controversy. So it's not even fit for purpose. 
and so I don't I don't get it. I just don't get it at all. I was I was much happier with terrible referees in the championship. <laughs> yeah, but as it was, the penalty was given, and Brian and Burmo converted it, and Forrest went in at the break level, one apiece, perhaps undeservedly on the balance of play, but that's the Premier League for you and VAR. So Forrest had to go again in the second half, but they never really did, did they? It was they were struggling to to find the, that kind of form and that that sort of confidence that they had in the first half. It lift the goal lifted Brentford and it deflated Forest. It's, this is the the thing that worried me. So, um, like I said before, there's there's two ways you can look at this game. You can have the pessimist hat on, or you can have your optimist hat on. And I was wearing a pessimist hat in the second half, and pretty much the entire ground was, from what I could hear, because having followed Forest for as long as I have over the last whatever 25, 30 years or whatever, I've seen lots and lots of Forest sides that either got relegated or flirted with relegation. And the one thing that all, they all have in common is they might play really, really well, but as soon as something goes against them, their heads drop and they lose their shape and they lose their, their ability to run. And that's what has been happening to us again and again and again this season. And you kind of, you, you wouldn't mind it. You can kind of expect it when you get thumped 6-0 by Man City that that's going to be it. But when we fall apart against Leicester, when we fall apart against Bournemouth, when and it, it felt like we were going to fall apart against uh, Brentford today. And with that sort of, that in my mind, it was like, actually, yeah, it, we haven't got a spark. We haven't got belief. We haven't got the the energy, the running to to turn this round. And it's not the fact that we're not going to get the the points we need that's going to do us in. It's going to be the fact that we've given up, that we've lost belief. And what took us up last season was belief more than anything else. That never give up sort of thing. And that's the kind of, that that's what happened in the second half. We just weren't there. We fell to pieces. And it was very similar, wasn't it, to the games against Fulham and Bournemouth, which were built a bit similarly to today's game in terms of an opportunity against a mid-table side at home to get three points. And it did look like it was going the same way where Forest have a good start, they have a setback, and then they collapse. And yeah. lo and behold, in that second half, Forest were... They were all they were on the brink of it. They, they, they were struggling to win second balls... They were giving it back to Brentford when they did have it. And it was it was creating that momentum that Brentford were yeah. going to go and score a goal. We we I mean we barely got beyond our D for, for most of the second half. We, we when we got the ball, the best we could do was maybe hoof it clear. Um, but normally it would just go straight back to a Brentford player and it was relentless, relentless like waves of attacks that we were we were um barely keeping out. And the goal when it came, 75 minutes, was actually a very simple goal and, as a result, a very frustrating goal for Forrest to concede. Just too easy, this one, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, um, to, to be fair, I think we that probably... Well, it's 75 minutes, yeah. So probably 25 minutes into the, the, the second half, Brentford's attacks sort of relented a little bit and we started getting something of a grip in the game and I think it was Gibbs White actually who had a shot or something our defence were napping and it and Boomy 
no, Wisser, wasn't it? Who came yeah. through, basically just ran through the middle and put it past Henderson. Yeah, far too, far too easy. And it was almost like our, our entire team was so relieved to get into their half that we forgot that the ball might come back the other way. <laughs> yeah. And it was, yeah, a ball over the top. It's gone between Cook and McKenna. They're on the back foot and, well, basically, Wiss has gone through them and he's got the pace to to run onto it and he, he finishes it well in the circumstances. But again, it was it was going that way, similar to Fulham, similar to Bournemouth, where Forrest have, have let an opportunity slip. But actually, what the goal did, it did seem to rally Forrest. You mentioned it there that they'd started to get a bit of a foothold back in the game before that goal. But they certainly carried it on afterwards and started to get bodies forward again. There were a few changes in terms of a one you came on for Emmanuel Dennis. Jesse Lingard then came on as well for Freuler. I think it was Lewis O'Brien who was already on the pitch when the goal went yeah, in. I think, yeah, came up for Coyote. Coyote, yeah. But I think those changes just helped Forrest to get further up the pitch. And But, we, yeah, we did get further up the pitch. <laughs> yeah, we, we built more attacks as a result yeah. and got the ball into more dangerous positions. But, yeah, just what the, the chances weren't quite happening. And, you know, there was a cross that came in. Um, I think it was Aurier put a ball in, fizzed it across and... Dennis was coming onto it and it just went over his head and we just quite, weren't quite getting there again. But Forrest persevered, kept plugging away and eventually were rewarded in the in the dying moments of injury time with a goal that had a bit of pinball and deflections <laughs> helping it. But my word, this was, was again a, a dramatic finish wasn't it this well, one that's, that's, you know, the other thing to know is that 89th minute Surridge came on for I can't remember who you replaced um, oh, Steve Cook yeah Steve Cook yeah yeah um, and that's something we, we should talk about later on but uh, yeah I have absolutely no idea what happened for the goal because it went into the box there was a massive scramble I thought it had gone in but it didn't go in so I put my head in my hands and then suddenly everyone around me was cheering yeah, <laughs> it came. It was a ball from Lewis O'Brien towards the back post. Sam Surridge nodded it down. The Brentford keeper comes flying out, doesn't get there. Drops to Gibbs White. He has that first time shot, and I think it's I think Ben Mee's on the line, and then Jorgensen, both Brentford defenders. Jorgensen's just in front of him. The ball bounces between them, comes off Jorgensen and goes in, and Ben Mee tries to clear it off the line, but the goal line technology must have flashed for the referee. He mm. pointed back towards the centre spot and the goal was was given. But I think it did just take replays and probably a VAR check just to confirm. <laughs> well, that, that was it. That had was a gone VAR in. check yeah. for that as well, wasn't there? Yeah. Just to confirm. Because um, yeah, I think there was an offside check, wasn't there, in that? Yeah, which if Ben Mee was on the line, <laughs> where did yeah. that come from? Any any excuse to fine tooth comb anything Forrest were doing? In this yeah. game, you know, it, it did seem like that, but um, but as it was, that was the equaliser. And overall, on the balance of play, and now looking back on it a few hours later, I think it was deserved. I was a bit guilty of being pessimistic in the ground, but when you look at the, the overall game, I think Forest were good value for the points, and in the circumstances, we'll be happy to take it. Yes, definitely. I think, um, I think given the chances. 
I don't think, like, having said that Brentford forced wave after wave of attack on us in the second half, I don't think Henderson was actually that busy, not as busy as Rea was at the other end in the first half. So, yeah, I think a point is the least we deserved, but it was really, really horrible for most of the second half. <laughs> yeah. We'll talk about some of those substitutions then. So Sam Surridge, he came on in on 89 minutes, probably too late, really. He should have been on the pitch sooner. And I look at Surridge and I think, well, he's helped Forrest get to this position. He played a big part in the back end of the championship season last year to score some important goals, help Forrest get promoted. And he's not really had a, a fair crack of the whip, I don't think, since since we've been promoted. Is, and... So actually, this this is something that's quite important from my point of view. So where I sit, everyone was hating on Dennis. And to be fair, his first touch today was awful and he kept slipping over. Um, so he would either receive the ball and it would bounce off him and go like two yards in the wrong direction, or he would receive the ball, manage the first touch, run with it and then fall over. That's not to say he didn't do a lot of good stuff. Partly, part of the reason we were attacking them so well is that front three had a lot of pace and that terrified their defence. So his pace was important. But there was a lot of complaints from people around about his first touch. So when Surridge comes on, and there was a few people saying, we've made all these chances in the first half, Surridge is the one who'd put them away we're going to regret not having him on. So Surridge coming on in the 89th minute also prompted a lot of complaints. And for the first time this season, I've heard people say, uh, people around me say, Steve Cooper is getting this wrong. Which, as I say, even when after Leicester, people were saying the owner's going to sack him, not I want him, I want him gone. Whereas today, people are saying he's making mistakes. He's got that he's getting things wrong, and I think that's a big, big change to what's what I've heard before. Where do you think that's come from? Because after Cooper signed his contract, it seemed like he had the support of the Forest fans for the foreseeable, even if we get relegated. I think the it was it. I've not heard it until today, and I think it came from that sense of inevitability that we were going to fall to pieces once they scored. Yeah, it's the same same old thing happening again. Kind yeah, of sort, yeah. I'd I'd heard a few mumblings before suggesting that he was getting the team selection wrong today because he'd not started Taiwo or Wanyu. Certainly, based on his performance against Liverpool, I think yeah, he's got a claim to be the main number nine and that main player through the middle up front. Oh, do you think that he, we need to see more of Taiwo as well? Uh, I, I really like Iwanyi, um because he gives us that that little bit of extra presence. But I also understand why Cooper went with that front three, because one of the things is we, there have been a few games where we've lacked pace. And I think the pace of those three, I mean, Gibbs White probably isn't, isn't pacey-pacey, but the other two definitely are. And it gives gives us a, a little extra th- threat sort of thing in a different kind of way. Um, but yeah, I'd like to see more of a one year. And I think a lot of people were expecting him to start today. I think it, the game overall was a mixed bag from Forrest's point of view, because first off, I thought they they came out well and, and put the Arsenal defeat behind them very quickly. It wasn't mm. like Man City where I think that carried over a bit into the Bournemouth game. 2-0 up and then collapse into a, a 3-2 defeat. They seem to 
shake off the the Arsenal defeat quite quickly and they were out and playing with confidence and playing well. Um, second half, when they'd had that setback, it, the, the, it looked like they were going to let the game slip. They couldn't get a foothold in it. The ball was just going straight back to the opposition and they, they did look a bit clueless at times in that mm. second half, Forest. But again, it comes back to, I've said this before on the podcast, I think they're playing for the manager. And again, the way that they rallied in that last 15 minutes after going behind suggests again that the players are certainly backing the manager and they believe in, in what he's trying to do. Yeah. And, and I mean, personally, I, I think not just who would we replace him with, but if we're going to get relegated, he's the best one to bring, to bring us back up. Um, again, I think you can look at this game with a pessimist hat on, uh, which is, yeah, we we keep falling to pieces. We keep conceding these soft goals. Um, we keep losing our heads at, at the wrong moment. But if you look at it with an optimist hat on, there are signs that this team is becoming a team. They, they came out wearing um, the Ancon 2 T-shirts before the game. Um, yeah. you got Gibbs White and Johnson showing signs that are actually, they're understanding each other. And um, Kayate and Yates, when one of them went forward, the other would stay back. They're, they're watching each other. They know what the other one's doing. Um, so our midfield isn't left as empty as it was earlier in the season. And then we made a um, stoppage time equaliser, which was the hallmark of the vast majority of last season was we refused to be beaten. We just carried on and carried on and carried on until we got the goal. And if you want to be really optimistic, maybe this is something like Bristol City, where we just carried on and suddenly it's like, we did it. We, we looked awful, but we did it, no matter that. And we can maybe take that forwards. The 1865 Match Report. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. You're listening to 1865, the Nottingham Forest podcast. We'll go over now to our view from the opposition. So from the B Sotter podcast, it's over to Billy. Billy from Besotted Podcast here, and uh, hopefully this is not too late. I am. Um, this is quite late here in Nottingham. I'm with my Nottingham chums and my Brentford chums. The match today, but to be quite honest with you, first half Brentford were not at the races. Nottingham Forest were all over us. We were terrible first half, and I'm not disrespecting yourselves. But what I'm saying is that we uh, listen. We had a couple of players out, and maybe Thomas Frank put the wrong players in. Whatever it may be, but we weren't on the races, and you came at us really well. You played really good football. You went ahead, and to be quite honest with you, we were delighted when we came in first half, one all. You know what I'm saying? You know, we got the penalty. We come in one all first half. We didn't deserve it. We know that we didn't deserve it. But second half, Thomas Frank took off Jen out. He put on Frank the tank on Yeka, and that changed the game. And the second half, like we dominated, dominated in midfield. You know, we did a lot of good things. You know, we scored a fantastic goal. You know, Dinkover um, and Bumo. 
played the ball in for uh, for Wiesa. Wiesa dinked it over, you know, your goalkeeper who, who likes to whinge quite a lot, you know, and there we go, 2-1 up, you know, and at that stage it was kind of just like, you know, fingers in the dam. We call it fingers in the damn time. And I spoke to a lot of Forest fans. If you listen to the po- Redford podcast, Pride of West. London, or the um, Besotted podcast, my boss friends were not happy at all with what had happened because they felt that they should have won that game. But I'm saying to you, we've been in this season for a couple of seasons, and you just need to t- just pick up points. This season, we would have we would have scored. We would have lost this last season. Hundred percent, we would have lost this last season, and we got a draw today. And the reason why is that we've learned how to manage games. We didn't. Have, we had a number of key players out. We had Ivan Tony out. We had Gorgard, who's a massive player for us out. We had Aya out as well. But we still managed to negotiate ourselves through that. We maybe should have got a win because if you're saying if you're 90 plus six, right, and you're still winning, then you should win a game. But you know you've got the equaliser. But we still got to point out that game last season. We should have. We would have lost that game last season. But I said to you, Forest first half were I thought they were very good in the first half and they should have maybe got, you know, two or three goals ahead, but they didn't quite uh, put their chances away. We got the goal back in the second half. It's a second game. Uh, it was a it was a different game altogether. Um so we're happy. We come away with the point and uh what more can I say? You know, we've come away with another point. In this league, you have to realise it's about chiselling away and getting points and going up the league, especially if you're part of the league. You've got to chisel away and come away with points um, and so that you can get yourself off from the lower league, um, bottom of the table. And that's what, that's what we did last season. We chiselled away, we got points away, and that's how it goes. So we've got a point, you've got a point. So my thing is that Forest should be happy. I can't believe that Forest fans aren't happy with their point, but you've got a point. And at the end of the day, that point, at the end of the season, you may think if you've, if you've saved yourselves from relegation by one point, you'll think about that Brentford game and think, we got a point out of that game, which is all good. So anyway, Billy B from Besotted Podcast, which is all good. Thank you very much. And uh, to say, I'm going to go and enjoy my curry now because, um, well, because I'm very happy. <laughs> it's all good. Thanks, Billy. And I hope you enjoyed your curry. Right, Baz, so 2-2 finished in this game. Forest have two more home games to come before the World Cup break. The first is on Wednesday evening when they play Spurs in the third round of the Carabao Cup. Now, I don't think that game will be high on our priorities in terms of where Forest's season ends up. So this could be a game where Steve Cooper experiments a bit and gives some game time to a few players who've been largely in reserve so far this season. On to next weekend, another home game against another mid-table side. It'll be Crystal Palace coming to the city ground next Saturday. And it does feel a very similar game, is it? In terms of what's at stake from Forest's point of view, it feels like it's going to be a very similar kind of game. An opportunity to get three points. It's going to be difficult, but... Yeah, there's a chance there, isn't there, that we can go into yeah. the World Cup with a win under our belts. I think the, the the conventional wisdom is, yeah, four points from these two games is like what we need as a bare minimum. And yeah, if we get if we can get a win, then that's brilliant. But I've actually I've today has changed my mind a little bit. Um, I would have said almost uh, 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 I'd have taken 17th place at the start of the season. Now I would. I'll take relegation if we carry on playing to the 96th minute. (laughs) 
I think, yeah, you don't want to see them go out with a whimper, do you? At least they're yeah. trying, at least they're... Yeah, the, the falling yeah. apart bit, that's the bit that really hurts. I, I don't mind being beaten, but it's the, it's the losing your heads and conceding three goals in 10 minutes. That's the problem. But if we carry on till the 96th minute, like we did today, then I think I'll be happy. <laughs> well, happy-ish. Happy-ish, <laughs> yeah. The, is there anything that you'd, you'd like, to, apart from that, anything you want to see different in the Forest approach next week? Or do you think that they can line up in a very similar way to what they did today and just hope that VAR doesn't intervene this time? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think again, we're starting to see the makings of this side. It, we're getting a more settled lineup. That midfield three is is kind of almost nailed on. Um, the the back four is almost nailed on. It's just a few variations here and there as things happen. It's only the front three and how they work together that seems that Steve Cooper seems to be unsure of. But if we can, and what I liked about today was the fact that we started and played higher up the pitch, and that again was more like last season. It was a bit more of a confident on the front foot kind of approach, which is is much nicer to see. Definitely. So. As it stands, Forrest are still bottom of the table with 10 points, only one to go until Derby's record. So we're we're almost there. And if we do that before the World Cup, that's a that's a bonus. We'll leave it there. Thank you, Baz. And thank you to Billy from the B Sotted podcast for joining us with his view from the opposition. Thank you also, listener, for joining us. We will be back with you with a report after the Spurs game. And we will, of course, be with you with a match report after the Crystal Palace match next weekend. Thank you again for listening. And until next time, goodbye. Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.